Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Well, have you ever learned humility the hard way? We're going to share a story about humility today. And then I'm going to talk about a phrase that's been in the news lately, quiet quitting. What is it and why should Christians and runners ignore that term? And joining me once again to discuss those topics and a whole lot more is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Well, Christmas is over. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, when we're recording this, it's not over, but the day this uh, comes out uh, is the day after Christmas. So I've got a question for you. Yeah. We're, We're before Christmas right now, so I want you to look into the future and tell me, as of the time this recording comes out, is your Christmas tree still up? Yes. My Christmas tree stays up until New Year's. I think you've said that on here before. Yeah, yeah. yeah mine doesn't. Yeah, mine, mine was down probably either early, early this morning <laughs> or yesterday afternoon after everybody but left. But yours was up way before mine. But that's good. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. So yeah. you get excited about about Christmas, but once it's here and it's gone, it's like it's done. Okay, it's done. Let's it's, move on I mean, to the next Christ thing. is still here, yes, yeah. but, but the decorations, <laughs> they got to go. It's time for the New Year, so it's time, time to get ready for that. Time to get ready for that big peach bowl coming up, and mm. and, and the big um, uh, the big running year, yeah. all the gold, new goals, and, yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. going to be fun for sure. All right, let's talk about our sponsor this week again. Uh, we say this every week. We simply can't do what we do without our sponsors, and this week our sponsor is Outer Elements. Uh, established in 2011, Outer Elements is a design build landscape company servicing the Northwest Georgia and Chattanooga area, specializing in the latest techniques in landscape architecture and design. Outer Elements has the professional experience to develop a wide range of projects in both commercial and residential sectors. From irrigation installation, hardscape construction, planning, and beyond, Outer Elements can help conceptualize any landscape project and make it to a reality. Uh, contact them today. Uh, 678-445-1968 to connect with a passionate landscape architect. And again, these guys are incredible, Blake and and all the team over there. um, Just great guys. They're actually on one of our jobs right now, uh, actually doing some paving. They have a paving arm to what they do, Northwest Georgia Paving. Um, But yeah, we just can't can't do what we do without them. So if, if you have a business, maybe you're looking at the new year and thinking, you know, how can, how can I spend my, um, marketing dollars that both not only get exposure but support a ministry that that wakes up every day trying to figure out how they can um share the the gospel of jesus christ with with a group of runners give us a call um we we have a lot of great sponsors out there and i think we check both of those boxes so uh send us an email at runlanehollis at gmail.com if you want some more information amen well, this week's story is something that was sent to us from uh, Jeff Davis, mm-hmm. and uh, just a fantastic story, and um, let, let's, let's read what he says. He says, our run for God finished their 5K with doing the Pro Medica End Hunger 5K. All our walkers and runners finished in their desired times, many of them doing personal bests. 
I was waiting for the half marathoners to finish when a woman passed out and landed on me. I was able to catch her and lower her to the ground safely, out cold. Soon some paramedics were there helping her and I got out of the way. Next to me stood an older man wearing a Navy baseball cap. I asked, Navy, if that was you that hit the curb, what would happen? He said, I would be dead. My next question was, well, where would you spend eternity? Very next words from Navy was, I need forgiveness, looking shamefully at the ground. I told him, forgiveness is found in Jesus Christ. Navy said, I have lived the Navy life. And I said, well, I've lived the Marine life. Navy said, I know what that means. And I said, I have forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Would you like to be forgiven? Navy asked if I could pray with him. Tom, 75 years old, cried out to God for forgiveness of his sins and asked Jesus to be his Savior. Tonight, I went to meet Tom, or Navy, at a run club in Toledo. Tom and I spent time together praising God for his salvation. Tom said, Happy Thanksgiving to me, and I replied, Happy Thanksgiving to him. Navy said, Best Thanksgiving ever. Hmm. P.S. I call him Navy. He calls me Marine. (laughs) You know that there's just so much to unpack in that one little story, but mm-hmm. I mean, talk about a God moment—the yeah. right place, the right time, the right people. There, nobody else can tee that up no. like God. Yeah, um, that's just that's an, I, and and thanks to Jeff for for reaching out and and sharing that with us. Yeah. I, we actually put that up on the social media. Um, the social media. Listen to me. I'm sounding like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> we put it up on social media uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's just an incredible story of yeah. of just being sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Because how many times would we get that prompting, and we think, no, you know, I don't need to do that. There's all this stuff going on, and but yeah, Jeff, I mean, Jeff think, was sensitive to that. Yeah, think about what was going on in this moment. I mean, yeah, there's a lady is, out cold. I it's mean, an emergency right. situation. Yeah. And, and at the same time, um, yeah, and the way he did it wasn't taken away from the emergency situation right. at all. And, and so, yeah, that, that we often think, like you said, the context of whatever we're doing, this isn't the appropriate time. It's not time. appropriate. And, uh, but there's not an inappropriate time yeah. to share Jesus. There's and not. I, you, but you've got to be ready for that, right? Mm-hmm. And so 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. He was ready to share the story of Christ um, and, and his salvation, and uh, it, he was ready to give an account. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened. And, such a cool story. Yeah, and he was so bold in the way that he, he did it. And I can't help but think the Holy Spirit wasn't just was right there in his mouth throwing those words out. And all over Navy, too. Yes. I mean, to make that decision that quick, there's no other explanation than God was all over that moment. Yeah. And a lot of times in these situations, we think, well, you know, if I say something as bold as Jeff said here, well, what happens if I get rejected? Mm. And and that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, the reason we don't share more than we do. Exactly. But think about this story now Mm -hmm. and its impact not only on Jeff and Navy, but mm-hmm. people who have read it are mm-hmm. looking at this and going, wow, this is incredible, right? So that t- 
10 rejections that you might get for that one time where something like this happens, totally worth it. Yeah. Right. So Jeff, if you're listening, there is one thing we need you to do. I'm curious about the lady. Yes. So <laughs> shoot us a message or give us a call or something. Let us know. Was the lady okay? We, we don't have that part of the story, but I, that is, you know, I do, I do wonder about her too. For sure. Yeah. All right. We had a trivia question for last week. It was a very simple one. Who is the oldest person to ever complete a marathon? Did you know this? Uh, yeah, I knew who the guy was. I, I've got a picture of him in my head. He's got a long white beard. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've read about the guy before. What I didn't realize is the guy's still alive. That I did not know. I didn't know, know that either. I started researching it. So, Fauja Singh, born in Punjab, India in 1911. Today, he is 111 years old. And the last marathon he finished was when he was 101 years old. He may be the only 100-year-old to ever have run a marathon. He ran a couple of them after the age of 100. Um, And this was interesting because this guy couldn't walk until he was five years old. And the reason he couldn't walk is because he was so weak. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, they gave him a hard time because he was so thin and skinny. They called him Danda which in that language means stick. <laughs> and so that, that was what they called him. Um, he, he never went to school, and the reason why he didn't go to school is because he couldn't walk to school. So here's a guy who couldn't even take, couldn't use enough energy to walk to school, and, and he's the oldest marathoner ever. Wow. Um, but what happened was he started working on his father's farm, doing smaller things, and got, got more and more active, and he just built up the strength over years. And over time, and eventually he got his own farm. He got married. He had children and, um, you know, had a, a normal life for, for where he was and what he was doing. But then his wife, his son and his oldest daughter, they all died. Um, and when they when they died, uh, some of the some of that very tragic uh, stories, he fell into depression, as you can imagine. Um, and he moved to London. And when he was in London, they say what he did was he basically sat in front of a television all day just watching television, um, which we know what that can do for mm-hmm. us. Uh, but listen to what it did for him. He happened to have caught on that television the London Marathon. And he thought, that's pretty cool. And he got fired up about running. Now realize at this point in time, he's 81. <laughs> he's never run before. He begins running at 81 years old. There's a lesson right here for some of you out there listening who say, I'm too old to run. That's right. That's right. And you know, today, as far as I can tell, um, it's a little, little hazy, but I think today he's 111. He still gets out and walks as much as he can. That's incredible. At 111 years old. Um, and he says, we should never skip exercise no matter what. Um, and he says we should never eat fast food. And he credits his longevity, at least in part, to his diet. He's a plant-based eater. Here we go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and there, there, I, mean, I know I, I can hear it now. There's people out there going, well, I'd rather die earlier and eat steak. <laughs> but anyway, the whole plant-based diet thing uh, has served him well. Yeah. Um, and during his time as a runner, um, what's interesting about this was he became very famous being at his age and doing the things that he was doing. He became very famous. There were a lot of sponsors who wanted to give him money um, to kind of, I guess, to represent their products or whatever. And he would never take any money for that. And so he took all of the money he got for sponsorship and he donated all of that back to charity. 
So he did wind up taking it. He did wind up taking it, but then giving it all to charity or having them give it to charity or, or whatever. So he was a sponsored athlete runner. At 100 years old. At 100 years old. That's right. Yeah. Seemed to that kind of takes away all your excuses. That's right. Every, I mean, the guy couldn't walk when he was young. He didn't start running until age 81. He he was running marathons at over 100, and he's 111 today, and he's still walking. That's right. Yep. There goes my excuses. Yep. <laughs> well, here's one. This is even more amazing maybe than his uh, marathons is – um, when he was 100 years old, he set eight world records in one day, ranging from 100 <laughs> meters to 5K. Because there's no one that's ever done it, probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, actually, he, for, for some of those, there weren't any. But for some of those, there were really? there were some marks for him to beat. Um, and he beat all of them. And then three days later, he ran a marathon after that. So uh, yeah. love to get this guy on the phone. Yeah, I don't guess he speaks English, but that yeah. would be so cool to talk to that guy. So, so here's a guy who couldn't walk when he was born, couldn't walk till he was five years old. He never learned to read or write. Um, he started running at 81 years old. He's still moving today. Maybe we can do a little bit more than we think we but can. You know, there is so much you can learn from this guy that has nothing to do with running. Yeah. <laughs> his, his mental fortitude and the lack of, I can't do that, it's just got to be incredible. Yeah. It's got to be incredible. I, I would love to, yeah. Old guys like that are just fascinating to talk to. And I think one of the key things that he talks about in here is this idea that it's never okay to not exercise. Basically, yeah. he's saying never use any excuse not to exercise. But he probably prescribes that same mentality to a lot of to things everything. in his life. That's correct, yes. I bet he had an incredible career, yep. whatever he did. He was I mean, a it, yeah, it might, he might not have been making a ton of money, but I bet he was the best at what he did in that community too. or whatever because yeah. he prescribed that to everything. Because we know, we say this, if you can put these principles together in the sport of running, it'll bleed over to every part of your That's life. That's right, and it does. I, he, I, I can't think that he would be any different. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Yep. All right, so um, we're coming up fast on yeah. uh, the Couch to Marathon the 5K, the Nationwide 5K Challenge starting at the same time, January the 23rd. Um, if you're not signed up, I don't I don't know what's stopping you. We've got something for everybody. The, the program, the Couch to Marathon, starts with the 5K Challenge. Mm -hmm. So maybe you just, you know, there's 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 two signups on, on our webpage right now. You can sign up for the Couch to Marathon or you can sign up to the 5K Challenge. They start at the same time. We're all going to be doing it at the same time. The curriculum's the same. So if 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 you're if you're even thinking about the marathon, go ahead and sign up for that one. Yeah. It all starts the same. Absolutely. Um and also, it's not too late to put a class together. In fact, probably right now after now that Christmas is over, this is when most everybody's going to really be doing their promotions in their local communities. We've got a lot of classes starting. Mm -hmm. Um the first few weeks of January, starting with us on this Couch to Marathon journey. A lot of them are the 5Kers, but I have no doubt that some of those 5Kers are going to get to the end of it and say, well, I did that. Well, let's just keep going. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're interested in teaching, coaching a class, facilitating a class, like I said, we've said it on here so many times, we've made it super easy for you nowadays. We have this where you can have your students sign up online. You don't have to fill out with all the paperwork anymore. All that's done automatically for you. But we've made it easy. You basically have some people to your house. 
get a group of people at your church, at a school. I know there's a school doing it right now. There's a lot of different kind of facilities hosting it right now. But basically, you show up, you watch a video, you talk about what the video said to you, and you go run. Mm -hmm. It really is that simple, Dean. And I'm just challenging those of you out there who are on the fence about, well, I'm not... I'm not really a teacher. I don't know the Bible as well as I should. I'm not that great of a runner. You're looking at the person who said all those things. Amen. And and you can do this, and it will change your life. Start 2023 off on the right foot and join us January 23rd. Yes, please do. Social media? Nope. Grocery store tabloids? Nope. The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. Okay, so we're back, and I'm still in Dean's thunder here because he usually talks about this part. But there's there's one thing that, that I want to ask everybody to do, and I want everybody to pray about this before they do it. But I know what the answer is. Pray about whether you have a story or not. Hmm. Do you have something in your life, whether it's running-related, whether it's something that happened at your job, Whatever your God story is, because we all have one. You may think that we ask for stories that are just running related, but I dare you to look at a lot of our stories. Some of our stories have nothing to do with running. It's true. That that's not the point. the The running side of what we talk about is really found in the Dean's thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's that's why we segregate the sections of the podcast and the devotions books, and the challenges. Even you have a story. Yeah. Now, you need to get alone with God in your prayer closet and formulate what that is. Let let God uh, breathe into you what that story is. But the, the point being, somebody needs to hear it. Mm -hmm. we, we, we talked about Jeff's story a while ago. I have no doubt that somebody out there needed to hear Jeff's story so that they could be more bold in their faith. Yeah. I have no doubt that that, that happened. You have a story and somebody needs to hear it, and we need you to send those to us. We 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 kind of go up and down on how many stories we have. We we've got some in the coffers right now, but we need stories. That's what powers this podcast. And and I'm gonna challenge you. Don't don't just say, I don't have a story, and then continue on. Stop right now, because I'm I'm talking to you. You do have a story, and somebody needs to hear it, and we have a platform that's willing to Share that story. So pray yeah. about it. Think about it. Go to runforgod.com. We have a tab that says, it's down at the bottom of the page, the homepage. It says, submit your story. It's really easy. We prompt you on the story, the questions, the scripture verse. You hit submit. And if you're a member of Run Club, it moves to the top of the top of the list. Yep. And listen, I know there's a lot of people out there. I am very reluctant sometimes to share some of the stories that I have that are running related because I don't want to come across as well, I'm bragging. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And so, um, and of course I get assurances from people all the time. You never come across as you're bragging and I, and I hope not. I don't ever want to be, be that person. But, um, 
I know that a lot of people don't share. They may have a story like, like this story that mm -hmm. Jeff shared. And they don't want to share it because they're like, well, I don't want to brag about the fact that I, it's not bragging. This is sharing God's story. This isn't sharing. We're, you're boasting about Christ. That's right. That's right. right. And we're so thankful that, that Jeff shared his story. There's probably others out there that are very similar to that mm -hmm. that could be shared. And uh, if you've got that story. I mean, think, just think about Jeff's story. That gave me confidence because there's been mm -hmm. many times, not the exact circumstances that Jeff was in, but there have been many times where I've been in a situation almost just like that, and and the evil one muzzles you. Yeah. Oh, what are they going to say? You're going to get rejected. You, that's going to be inappropriate. Whatever. Jeff's story gave me the confidence going forward that if when I'm in that situation next, I'll think back to Jeff's story. Yeah. And that's exactly what stories do. That's why stories are so powerful, and it's why we need yours. Amen. Amen. Well, how about running at night? Do you ever run at night? Uh, very little. Very little, yeah. I, I don't know I, if I've, I haven't done it in years. I don't do much of it. Um, now, during cross-country season, a lot of times we'll run early in the morning, mm -hmm. um, a couple of times a week with the college girls. That's about it. And it's, you know, it's kind of in a, toward a downtown area, so it's fairly well lit. Um, but uh, somebody recently asked about headlamps and, and that kind of thing. Have you ever run with a headlamp? I don't like headlamps. I don't I, if when I run at night, I don't wear any light because it, you can't see your out your peripheral. But yeah. you can see what's right in front of you. But at night, even on a even on a new moon, your eyes adjust pretty quick. I do have a pretty funny story though. Yeah, Lane, uh, he went out with some buddies and did a run the other night, or it was right at dark. But it was dark by the time they got on down Cleveland Highway, and they were going to turn around at Broadacre down there. Well, at Broadacre Road this time of year at night is the Brooker's Christmas lights. It's yeah. a humongous Christmas light display. And it's I think they have like 10,000 cars a year go through their driveway and all this. Well, they had this idea that we're going to go run through the Christmas lights. He said, that was a mistake. He said, people were so watching the Christmas lights. I mean, they about got run over a few times. Because yeah. everybody's looking. At the, they're not looking at the people running up beside the cars. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> that is. Anyway. We've done that. I've, I've, done, I've made that same run before. Really? Yeah, run out to there. Was you fearful the for your life? No, I really I don't remember it. It's of course, Lane can be a little dramatic sometimes. But, yeah, yeah. Um, really? You think? Yeah. yeah. But no, I don't <laughs> run with a headlamp or any kind of light because it throws my vision. It makes it worse for me. I think the only place where a headlamp is needed is if you're a trail runner and you're running on trails at night. Yeah. I think you do need a headlamp. Well, then, where right? you don't really have to worry about what's outside. Right. You know, you don't right. got to worry about a car coming in from. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But otherwise, yeah, I, I totally agree with you um, that it, it's actually easier to see what's going on. Um, and there are some places where it is it's pretty dark and it's pretty hard to see. And usually it's a short, short section. I know my uh, my neighborhood. I remember years ago we had no lights in our neighborhood at all for a long time. We have some street lights now, thanks to our uh, the greatest mayor, <laughs> uh, uh, who is a run for God five uh, k challenge graduate. And if you come in April to the Run for God weekend, you're going to get to hear him speak. That's right. It sounds it sounds like so. And uh, he is responsible for having lights in my neighborhood. So, He's the mayor of the town at the center of the universe, right? That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Anyway, it was so <laughs> dark. And I remember we got this really steep downhill, you know, at my, at my, yeah. in my neighborhood. It was really hard to see. And I, there were a couple of times I ran into the curb. <laughs> thinking <laughs> I was kind of hugging the curb, but I wasn't. Uh, but 
uh, but I was okay. And, and you know, for some people, if you, I've, I've talked to people from Arizona mm-hmm. who they yeah, get up at like four to. o'clock in the morning to run every, every day because they have to during yeah. the summertime because it's so hot. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I've always said that running will teach you humility. And we have a story this week right along those lines. This one comes from Roscoe Parker, and he titles it Chapter One, Learning Humility, because he says there's going to be more to this story to come. I'm curious to hear his other chapters as well. Yeah. So he says, my name is Roscoe Parker. I'm 35 years old, and I've been running for 15 years. I want to share my running journey with all of you and explain how God has brought me through so much through running and life situations. It is amazing how good he is and how his plans for our lives may not be the same as our plans, but his plans are always the best. This is the first of a few stories I want to share. I'm a Christian and I'm very blessed to have grown up in a Christian home. I started running in 2008 when I was 19 years old and not in very good shape. I agreed to run around one of the fields in our family farm in a race against my younger brother who was going into the Navy and was trying to get into shape. The distance wasn't long, but by the time I finished the short but intense run, I felt like I was going to die. I decided right then that I was going to work myself into better shape, so I began running with my brother each time he would run a mile and a half to qualify for the Navy. I got pretty good at it, so I decided to try running further. And soon I was running four and a half miles without stopping. I was pretty fast, or at least I thought so. I continued improving. But at some point, I got it got to my head, and I started thinking I was better at it than most other people. Boy, was I wrong. But I was 20 years old and didn't know anything about the actual sport of running, only that I could run fast and other people couldn't. A little while later, I found out about an annual 5K race in our area, and I decided to enter it. The Knotty Pine 5K in Swainsboro, Georgia, 2008, was my first race. I was sure I would blow everyone away. Thinking back, boy, was I arrogant. Race day came, and I was psyched. I saw many vans delivering runners to the starting area. I couldn't help but notice that a lot of the people participating were older people in their 50s, 60s, and even 70s. I just figured they were there to get in some exercise. I was sure they wouldn't be very fast, especially not up to my speed. When the race started, I took off, trying to keep up with the leader who seemed to be sprinting the race. He was crazy fast. So I decided to settle into second place. The next thing I knew, all of these older people that I thought were no threat were passing me like I wasn't even moving. I was so shocked and realized how wrong I had been. My legs were completely worn out, and I was out of breath. I finished the race in 25 minutes, which happened to be good enough for first in my age group, but I came away from my first race with a brand new point of view about running. I have run more races over the years and have done very well in many, but God showed me in this race that I shouldn't think of myself too highly. Little did I realize that God was only beginning to teach me so much through the sport of running. I look forward to sharing more of my story in the future. <laughs> Roscoe, I'm right there with you right now. <laughs> I'm kind of coming back to running right now, and I'm not where I thought I, where I just knew I would be. Yeah. I'm just not there. You know, I've two races now, and I've I've determined that I thought I was at, at one speed, and two races have taught me, nope, you're not. <laughs> you're much slower than you thought. So uh, I love yeah. the name Roscoe, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember two two incidences of my first 
time running races because I didn't know either. I knew I was fast on the baseball field, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what kind of runner I was. And I was, I guess I was a ninth grader the first time I ever ran competitively. And um, the first race I ran was a track race. And in this track race, I remember I ran the mile and I won the mile. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this thing's easy. And <laughs> so uh, I ran, they, they asked if I wanted to run the four by four, the four by 400, well, four by 440 back then. And um, so I was like, sure. I had no idea what I was doing. None, zero, zip, not all I knew is I grabbed the baton and they put me at anchor leg. And um, I didn't, again, I didn't know anything. So I got the baton and I started run, and I started running kind of the same pace I was running in the mile. I didn't know any better. So I'm running at this, you know, slow pace for 440. And all of a sudden some guys come running by me. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I gotta need to pick it up. And so, uh, so I did, and I picked it up and I repassed those guys before the finish line. And we wound up, I think we wound up winning that race, but it was like, I'm sure they were looking at me going, what is he doing? Yeah. Why is he jogging? <laughs> but it was funny. And then my, my first cross country race, um, I, I ran and I remember it was Pebble Brook high school and, uh, it was a dual meet. So it was just us in Pebble Brook. And we, I was running the JV race. I had never run a race before, so nobody knew how good I was or whatever. So I was running in a JV race. Well, me and another guy from my team, his name was Chris Leith. Um, we were leading the race together and, um, it was, and it was fun. And then I thought, I feel too good. I need to pick it up. So I picked it up and I kind of pulled ahead of him and I was probably about 40 meters ahead of him. And I made a wrong turn. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so Chris was at the bottom of the hill going, Dean, come back this way. <laughs> so I turned around and I came back down a hill back to, to, and then I had to chase him down because of course now he's 50 meters ahead of me. And so I chased him down for the rest. Of, we had like, I don't know. That was good sportsmanship on his part. It was. To it call was, you back. Yeah. I probably had 800 meters left in the race. Now he didn't stop and wait for me, of course, but yeah. he kept going. But with a, a half mile or so left in the race, um, I ran, I ran him down and I caught him right at the finish line. And, um, actually I don't think we know to this day who won. I think he may have beaten me. I think I didn't quite get him. But the thing about this race was this race was to t- determine who got to go to Florida the next week for a race down at Florida state university. And, um, we, it, whoever was the eighth person was going to get to go. Well, the eighth person was determined by who finished first in the JV race. Hmm. And here we were, the two of us just right side by side. The coach decided to take both of us. That's cool. So, uh, we wound up going down there with nine, but it was, it was, it was fun. Or maybe, no, maybe there were only six in the varsity race and it was the seventh that he took an eighth, I think. But anyway, I got a chance to go. And, uh, but that was my, my first cross country race. I got lost. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, so I, I was humbled a little bit in, in, it happens. in that one for sure. How about this scripture? Matthew 23, 12 says, um, whoever exalts himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Boy, I was humbled. He says, yeah, yeah I think, I think we all get this lesson sometimes, you know, I, I, I've talked on here, coming back to running like I have after walking for two years. I just, I knew that I was going to be, I was going to pick this back up, no problem. 
And going into the race, the Thanksgiving turkey trot that I was, I had a, I had a time that I was going to run 100% confident I was going to run it. It was going to be hard, but I was going to run it. I was a minute and a half slower than that. I thought, well, that's an anomaly. You know, that I'll get it back next week because we had the silver barrel sprint the next week. It was worse the next <laughs> week. And so, yeah, I mean, God has a, he has a funny way of humbling us because I, I probably was, I probably was talking about it too much. I, I have been convicted that you, you were talking about that too much. And, yeah. And, and I got humbled and I learned my lesson. And so, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. happens. A- to all age, of us. God and age. Yeah. Will humble you sometimes. Well, I shouldn't say age because I'm sitting across from a guy who's getting faster <laughs> the older he gets. But yeah. Well, I, there, I know so many people, though, um, in this case, um, you didn't know. You, I mean, you didn't really know where you were. Yeah, I know you now. Had, you hadn't. I know I'm much slower than and I now thought. Now you know. And the next race, you'll approach a lot differently. But how many people do you know? That um, that they they are convinced every race, no matter what the no matter what the history tells them, yeah. right? They've had those two, three, twelve races that have told them this is where you are. And, but the next race, well, they're constantly doing the excuses. You know, my boys to yeah. give them credit, yeah. Lane and Landon after the turkey trot, they were like, "Well, you know, we you know because we're in Florida that week, and they're like, we haven't been eating that great. It was warm, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no." I'm just not as fast as I thought I was. That's <laughs> period. Of course, I didn't say it very long until I started saying, well, I'll fix it at Silver Bay. Yeah. So now I'm 100% convinced I've got a lot more work to do to get where I want to be. Well, Landon fixed his at the Silver Bell. He did. Yeah, he ran yeah. pretty well there. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, now, no, okay, I'm going to bring this up. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just made me think of it. <laughs> there is a rumor... Jesse Martinez, who's an old name from our community, yeah. young young guy, he was running fast. He was one Lane was chasing when Lane was a little bitty. Yep. Is there any truth that you let him go? I plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I did. It, it, I'll put, I, well, I told because my boys told me that. I said there is no way. I said Dana's not going to let anybody go especially jesse martinez i'll tell you what i did here's what i did okay i i i passed him you know i we we ran as a pack there were about six of us kind of running together and i was trying to pull landon up to the pack for that first lap it was a two-lap race yeah so i was trying to pull him up to there and um we were probably 30 meters or so behind the leaders and jesse was starting to pull away now on that second lap and i just decided at that point i thought i'm gonna just go ahead and i'm gonna go see if i can catch him just kind of as a fun thing. I really wasn't running this race very seriously. I really was thinking, I, I just like to help Landon do well. You were supposed to be pacing me. And yeah, well, I got dropped at the last yeah. minute. <laughs> Dean had better things to do. So anyway, I, re- I went after I went after him. And um, and to be honest with you, I didn't realize it was Jesse Martinez. Really? So, yes. Yeah, he cut all his hair off. Yeah, I know. And that, that threw me off, I guess. Yeah. And so anyway, I'm running up and I finally, I decided that I was going to pass him. And when I passed him, I was going to pass him hard. Like I was going to go flying by him. Right. And so that's what I did. And by golly, he hooked right on with me. I mean, he's, he's like, uh, you know, he kind of looked over at me like he was surprised. And then he's like, all right. And so he went with me. And now we've had a history of racing together anyway. Yeah. Like I said, if I'd have realized it was Jesse, this race might have ended up different, honestly. 
The other thing is, though, is I've got a very important race this weekend, and so yeah. I didn't want to. I really didn't want to go as hard as I could. Yeah. Anyway, I started pulling away from him after that. And when we made that turn, that, that last long straightaway, I looked back behind me. He was about 10 meters behind me. And I was waving at him, you know, like, come on, let's go, let's go. And so I kind of eased up on that last straightaway there, uh, just kind of hoping he would catch me, trying to encourage him, hoping I could help pull him along to a faster race. And so did I let him go? I don't know that I let him go, but I do think I could have worked that stretch harder. Mm -hmm. And there now at the end, he probably was going to beat me just because he's got younger legs. Mm -hmm. So he did come running by me over that last couple hundred meters. And at yeah. that point in time, I was like, I'm not fighting with a young guy at this yeah. point. Um, so it's, it's kind of true and kind of not true. It was good to see him out there. It was. Yeah, he left the sport and went into boxing. Yes. And because he was wicked fast when he was younger. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Obviously, he still got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty cool to see all the Hernandez guys out because I think yeah. Brian was there. Of course, you saw his dad out there. It was good to see them. Yeah, because he hadn't seen them at races in years. So it was, yeah, it was good. It to was see good to there. see them, and and it was yeah, it was fun. But anyway, and and I, and I say that you know we're talking about humbleness here, and um, yeah, I don't want to say that I definitely would have won because I don't know. Yeah, if I if I definitely would have won, I do think I could have pressed harder at one point in time, and maybe. Right. That would have pulled me further away from him, and maybe not. And so he might have worked that much harder to yeah. beat me. Hmm. Uh, but that's that's what it was. <laughs> Matthew seven one two says, "Judge not that ye ye be not judged. For what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again." And he says, "I felt like my experience was God's way of showing me that I should never judge people, especially by appearance." At first glance, I thought I could do better because I was younger and I thought I was faster, but I was wrong. You gotta love the King James, don't you? Yes. <laughs> the yeah. yees and nows. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is this is such a um this is such a good point of how you can't judge people by looks, age, either how fast you think they are or how fast you think they're not. Yeah. Um, because we've we've said it for you. We've said it with triathlon. You can't tell by looking at somebody how fast they are. You know, this was a a lesson we had to teach Lane and a lot of the triathletes when they were younger. Because when they were younger, and we as adults we fall into this trap too. But we would go to triathlons and in races where they would be competing like with adults. You know, these were eight or nine year old kids. But so, some races they would compete with adults. And we always told him, you can't judge a cyclist by the bike that they're rolling in to transition. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot, some of adults, they've, they've got a good job, and so they buy a $15,000 bike, and they have no business with that $15,000 <laughs> bike. It, it's yeah. not helping them one bit. But that gets in people's heads. Yeah. Naturally, it gets people's heads. And, yeah, we used to have to warn them all the time about that fact but we we do it as adults too we look at people and we're like oh they're not fast i'll never forget my first triathlon very similar story to roscoe's here uh one of my first triathlons was the chattanooga waterfront and i learned at that race why they write the age of triathletes on their calves and it's so the young guys will be demoralized by the older women who are passing them on the bike 
because I was seeing 60, 62 year women passing me on the bike and you just, you can't judge a book by its cover no. in the sport, especially. Yeah. And it's completely unfair anyway. And a lot of times this is something that drives me crazy is I see people and we see it in, see it a lot in politics, but we see a lot of people judging other people on what they think they mean their motives yeah their motives and what they they think they think their thinking is in their head and what's and that's terrible we should never do that i don't care what side of the political aisle you're on you should never go that person is thinking this when they didn't say that you know and a lot of times um and from a Christian perspective, we're just as bad about it as, as other people are but a lot of times. Making the statement about really, I'm going to step on a limb and say any politician, making the statement that they are trying to destroy the country, Yeah, that's just categorically wrong, I right. think. I don't care how, I mean, there's some politicians that I think are very incompetent, mm-hmm. but do I think they're trying to destroy the com- country? No, I don't. Maybe some of their actions, I think, could lead us down the wrong path. But to make the statement, that person is trying to destroy the country, it, it takes away our own credibility, really, it, is what it does. It does. Um, because it's just, I, I, I say it's just not true. Yeah. Um, some people out there may disagree with me, but I think, I think when we go to our corners like that and we start making the statements like that, it helps no one. This is This is in politics, but this can also be and our churches. That's right. They're trying to destroy our church. Yep. No. No, they're not. Yeah. They have a different view, and there is places that we can come together and find common ground because does does the music you listen to in the church really matter? Are you trying to destroy the church by the music you listen to? No. It's a difference of opinion. It's a difference of of preferences. We come together on Jesus is who he said he is, and he's the savior of my life. We can all agree on that. So let's start there. Amen. Not with what tears us apart. Amen. Amen. We'll get off that soapbox right now. Well, there's a lot of people who are saying there's certain type of people that are not going to be in heaven. It's like, and I want to say, you don't know. We don't. You have no idea. And don't, don't even go there. You know, that's between that person and God mm-hmm. and whether or not, you know, whatever's going to happen with them, their eternal consequences. And and we've got to be really careful not to, uh, you know, this whole idea of judging people. It's hard. It's very hard not to judge people, you know, when we're in traffic and somebody does some boneheaded thing in front of you. <laughs> There's a big difference in not agreeing and then and crossing the line into judging. That's right. Others. I can I cannot agree. That's right. And still be your your friend, and you can stand up for what you believe. But when you and not agree, judge that takes it to a whole other dimension, and that that gets into. I feel like judging gets into the hatred realm, which is which is not of God. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not. He's he's love, and to be judgmental, it's anti biblical. It is, and I'm saying that, and, and God is love, but God is the ultimate judge, but God is the only judge. That's right, the only one. <laughs> We're yeah. to love. We are not to judge. Yep, yep, amen. That's, that's all you got to say. Romans twelve three, For I say to every man that is among you, through the grace given unto me, 
uh, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. He says, I was thinking of myself way too highly to that point. I was looking down on others when in reality, I didn't have a clue. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, right? <laughs> I like the simplicity of that statement. Yep, yep. Um, and, you know, I don't do this very often, but I remember a, a, a time in 2013, I won the Myrtle Beach Marathon, which is a fairly sizable race. And I was proud of that accomplishment. It was a, for me, it was a big deal. And I remember going back to the race the next year because I went back and to run, to run it again the following year. And I remember going into the expo that day before. And I thought, I'm the guy that won this thing last year. And you know how many people recognized me? exactly zero <laughs> nobody cared who i was and uh and i just remember thinking I, I felt like i was and i think we do this in a lot of areas of our lives well we think we're special <laughs> and in the end you you realize that you're really not yep there you go the cup yeah yeah because we're we're we think we deserve something yes we think and I'm the guy that won the marathon. Yeah. I'm the guy that did this. Or I'm the guy. That- like I was more important than everybody else who ran it that past year. I was no important, more, more important than anybody that ran it that last year. Yeah. All we deserve That's right. is the styrofoam cup. Go back and listen to a few weeks ago if you're wondering what we're talking about. But yeah, we don't deserve anything. Mm-hmm. But so many times through our circumstances or our accomplishments, we feel like we're owed something and we're just not. Yep. Yep. Question. Was I considering things from every angle? <laughs> we never do, do we? I think you and I, mine and yours, you and I, however you say that, I think our personality, we're, we're very bad here. You know, yeah. this is where, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever done the Enneagrams thing. It's just the personality test that but Enneagrams is one of them. And, and we did this here while back as a family. I think I've talked about that just on here. And, and I was a, a one. I'm about as one as you can be. You know, but one thing that ones fail at is exactly what this question is. Holly is a nine. Yeah. And Holly is this way to a fault sometimes. Right. She, the thing about a nine is they can look through the eyes of every other number. Right. And have empathy with all the other numbers. And ones, (laughs) they don't have that problem. No. We don't, we don't look at the other angles. It's, we're pretty dogmatic in our, in our. We have the answer outlook on life yeah mm-hmm. we have the answer and it's going to be this way and that is a good quality to have for being decisive but it can also get us in a lot of trouble mm-hmm. sometimes because the truth is we don't always have the answer that's right but when we think we have the answer that's it you're wrong i'm right and um and that's where just, roscoe was here. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna win this race and man it's it's the humble pill is much larger when you fall into the category of me and you and Roscoe, um, the the fall is much harder mm-hmm. when when you do get humbled. That's right, and as it should be. Yeah, because we're often going so hard in one direction. <laughs> when yeah. that wall comes up, it stings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've had that. I've I've had that many times in my life where it's like, golly bum, I wish I would have just <laughs> listened to my wife. 
um, so many times. I'm sure you've had Debbie telling you things, and you're like, no, 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 that's not right. And yeah. come to find out, well, boy, I should have listened to her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's why. That's because I think Debbie probably falls more to that nine area. She's she kind of like Holly, and yeah, you know, they say opposites attract, and boy, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think about the, you know. I was talking with somebody yesterday and I was explaining to them that I was trying this weekend, I'm going to try to break a state record mm-hmm. state of Georgia, the 10 mile race record. Um, it's been around since 1999. So it's been around for a while. And I mentioned it to some, and, and that person said, Oh, you got that. That's, you know, it's, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I got to run that thing. Yeah. It's just going to hurt. It's going to be hard. Um, I felt like I, I had, they were they were having a lack of humility for me. Right. You know, it's like, no, don't make it sound so. I don't want it to be simple. I don't yeah. want it to sound simple. I want it to be hard. Um, but yeah, we. we I, I I was thinking about this this question, and um, I was thinking about how as Christians, we often look at things through a Christian lens, as we should, as we should. Uh, but we always, what, what was the question again? Was I considering things from every angle? Um, we need to understand that people who aren't in church every week and people who think that mm-hmm. what we think is crazy, that they're not going to look at things the way that we look at, look mm-hmm. at them. And that we have to, we can't look at them as if they're defective because they don't look at things the way we look at things. We have to look at them with empathy, mm-hmm. as you said, that that's so sad that they don't see things from God's point of view. And that's hard to do sometimes as Christians because we want everybody to, 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 to have the same moral beliefs and the same uh, just general, I guess, even political beliefs to some degree. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful to understand that just because somebody doesn't, think like we do it's because they're coming from a different angle well and you're right and i i I thought of a an example of this and and for those of you out there who have kids you can relate to this but i i thought about landon and landon does the woodworking stuff and landon is getting really good at, at the craft he's doing and it's because he's gaining knowledge and he's coming to the understanding that if i do things a certain way i can make this piece of whatever look great but I have been I have been showing Landon things through the years that helps him understand that and gain the knowledge of that. Well, what if when Landon was six years old and he got interested in woodworking, if I would have just said, "Well, you should just know this stuff." Yeah. I mean, it's it's common sense. It's obvious. Landon would not be where he is today. We we don't take that stance with our children who don't know something. Why do we take that stance with non-believers who, and, and you'll be shocked. I mean, I, I'm not shocked now because we do this every day. But there are people out there, if if you say 1 Corinthians, they have no clue what you're talking about. Right. It's not that they don't believe it. It's not that they don't accept it. It's not that they've walked away. They've never heard it. Mm-hmm. They've never, some people have never heard the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's kind of hard to believe in this country, but maybe they hear it around Christmas time, but they have no idea what that means. Right. And that is so hard for us to to understand as believers because we know, but it's just like if, if 
if when Landon was six years old, I said, Landon, you need to finger joint that. Yeah. Well, Landon has no clue what that means. Maybe he had heard the term, but he doesn't know how to apply it to his, his woodworking in the same way. When we say you need Jesus for somebody not to accept that right on the spot is understandable. Right. Now God can make anybody accept it right on the spot, but there's, there's a there's a knowledge curve there that people just don't know and many times as, as Christians I used the the term dogmatic a while ago, but that's that's how we are with non-believers. It's like this is the way, it's the only way. What what are you not seeing? And mm-hmm. while what we are saying is true, the tone and the delivery in which we're giving it is completely wrong. It lacks all humbleness. Yeah. that we're talking about. And I think that's where we as Christians, we get into the judgmental side mm-hmm. again. We're judging somebody. It's hard to judge somebody who is ignorant. And I don't use ignorant in a bad way. Ignorant yeah. just means lack of knowledge. Right. They just don't know. Dean, you don't drink. It's hard for me to say you don't drink Mountain Dew when you've never even heard of Mountain Dew. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's it really is that ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But that's how we... That's how we do sometimes. That's a great analogy. Another question. How was God being glorified by my attitude? <laughs> of course, obviously, in this case, he wasn't. Um, and, and I don't know how many times I've failed to glorify God in my attitude. Um, you know, I've shared on here not, you know, this past year about that. Dogs that, you know, I ran by and the dogs were barking at me <laughs> and I shouted some stuff I shouldn't have said. And there were families close by and. Um, that wasn't very Christ-like mm-hmm. um, in, in doing that. And so I, I've struggled with my attitude and not glorifying God in what I do. Uh, you know, fortunately, in that case, he left me a opening to go back and, and maybe make an impact. Um, but we all know people who this, this, you know, is God being glorified in my attitude, who do such a great job at this, mm-hmm. don't we? I mean, I think about... Um, um, Graham, um, Franklin Graham, mm-hmm. you know, he's a lot like his father was, is every time he's interviewed, he finds a way mm-hmm. to interject the gospel in what he's talking about. Sure. He's so skilled at that. Um, you know why he's skilled at it? Because he does it a lot. Because he does it a lot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so he practices being, um, glorifying God in his everyday conversation. And so, every day in his conversation that's what he's doing yeah and it's some people will sit out there and say well he's just he's um that's uh (laughs) sorry we had a phone ringing um some people out there will say well he's he's just he's scripted no he's not scripted you know what you do the most becomes who you are and if you're if you sometimes in the beginning you have to make yourself to it you know you have to learn to do it but the more you do of something, it it becomes who you are, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's where Franklin Graham, Billy Graham, I mean Billy Graham, golly bum, you you couldn't knock him off. Yeah. I mean, so many interviewers tried to get him to say something sideways, but he had done it for so long, it was second nature. It wasn't something he was trying to do at that point. Yeah, it's who he was. It's who he was. And that's that's my prayer for my life is I want to become. I want I want the gospel coming out of me. To just become who I am. Yeah. And that should be all of our prayer. 
And so when something somebody says something sideways or that we just don't agree with, that we're not trying to suppress something, what comes out is just who we are. Amen. Last question. Are we considering what God wants us to do with the talents and abilities he has given us? We, we pose that question time and again on this podcast. You know, are, are we, God gives us all a talent and everybody, there's a lot of people who say, I, I, God didn't give me a talent. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. He gave you something. Um, and, and the question is, what can I do with that talent to, to get the most out of what God has given me? And you know, I, I hope that that's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Well, but um, what we talked about, Fal just Singh, the 101 year old guy that ran a marathon. He didn't use any excuses. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he did did everything that he could do, and that's what we have to do with the talents God's given us. How can we use those things mm-hmm. to to glorify Him? Um, yeah, and it's easy for me to do from a, a running standpoint, but there's you know there's other things too that we can do and how how can you get plugged into doing other things you know there's some things i do in the church that hopefully are right. are good too and i know you do the same thing mm-hmm. and even in things that i know you've talked before about working with the sound and you feel like that's not your really your cup of tea but you you do it because it makes a difference yeah it's it's, it's it's taught me grace and patience for when i when i hit the wrong button during the service and everybody's turning around staring at me <laughs> That's uncomfortable. Sorry. <laughs> I've went from what are you looking at to sorry. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. Great well, story, Roscoe. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. All right, we're back. We mentioned this a couple of podcasts. I'll mention it one more time. We have training plans now on the site, on, on the Run Club site. If you're a member of Run Club, not only do we have all the beginner running plans for mm-hmm. the 5K, 10K, half marathon, and marathon, but we also have walking plans for mm-hmm. the 5K, 10K, half marathon, and marathon. And now we also have the, we call it competitive plans. Yeah. For all four distances as well. Um, so, Chances are, if you're listening to this, you fall into one sure. of those categories. So there's something there for everybody. Just go to the members area, go to the downloadable training plans, and you'll find all of them right there. Uh, but again, you got to be a member to access them. So, uh, but you should be a member anyway. Nine dollars right. a night, twenty-seven cents a day. Come on, you can yeah, do that. Absolutely, hundred percent. Well, I read this thing recently. I had no idea. Uh, running without a shirt on, I, I did not realize is kind of an American thing that really most countries apparently people don't run without a shirt on and i thought i just i don't know i guess because we're immersed in it and that's where we live mm-hmm. and that's what we do and that's what we see and that, that everybody did that but apparently not and <laughs> apparently the person who was posting this was from europe i think and so apparently maybe in europe you don't see a lot of shirtless people running 
<laughs> Unless you go to the beaches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. How, how does that work? Well, and I don't know. They won't run without a shirt, but they go to the, the nude beaches. I don't. I don't. Know. I don't know if it's a modesty it's thing or if it's just a, a you know, it's just it's what you do. You know, it's hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's like you know, some people, some people still feel like you should dress up to go to church, and other people go to church however they dress normally and sure. every day, and and neither one's right or wrong. Yeah. And in this case, I don't think whether you wear a shirt, you don't wear a shirt. I don't think it's right or wrong. Um, now, for some people, it's a modesty thing, and they feel like people shouldn't be going shirtless. I get it, uh, and I totally respect that thought. Um, but I, and then there's there's the weather thing. I think um, the other side of this is I think that in Europe, where this came from, Europe is a little north of mm-hmm. us for the most part. the The northern part of our country is kind of the kind of the middle part of Europe. The state of Florida is actually on the same latitude as the Sahara Desert. Mm-hmm. So it, it's obviously in a much warmer climate. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just the, the warmth and the humidity and things that we have here that maybe they don't have quite quite as bad there. I don't know. But then I thought about that. And then I thought, well, what about, I don't remember seeing any Africans running shirtless. So uh, hmm. that kind of blows that out of the water because they, they don't do it. Yeah. Uh, so... I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting thing to to see um, that we we are um, the oddballs when it comes to that kind of thing. Hmm. So I don't know. Interesting I, trivia there. And I remember I didn't I, for for many years I I didn't run without a shirt on. And then I remember one guy that we both know well, Keith Roberts. Mm-hmm. I saw him running without a shirt one. Kevin day. Roberts. Kevin Roberts. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Keith's a whole different guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he he was running without a shirt on one day, and I thought if Kevin can run without a shirt on, so can I. Yeah, and so now on occasion. Yeah, uh, when it's I, super hot and humid. Yep, yep, yep. So. Yeah, because it's I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of shirt you wear around here in the in the in the midsummer when it's ninety percent humidity and ninety five degrees. It doesn't matter what it can be the most wicking shirt you have, but in five minutes time that thing's gonna weigh ten pounds. Yes. And uh, so it could be used as a training tool, but <laughs> a little more weight. Yeah, we just yeah. want the air hitting your chest is is tends to dry you out much quicker. It does. It does. All right, it's a time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Well, there's a phrase that I've heard a lot in the past few months, and of course, I have to figure out how it applies to running because that's what I do. And so this week, we're going to talk about this one. It's called Quiet Quitting. I remember playing baseball when I was young. For the most part, I was on winning teams. But there was one season when I played on a team that rarely won a game. When the game was over, my mother would ask me if I had fun, and I would reply, yeah, it was fun. And at first, it was fun. I could look at the fact that I got two hits or that I made a good defensive play in the field, but eventually, that didn't feel like enough. After a few losses and me justifying my good feelings about the game, one day when she asked when she asked again, did you have fun? I said, no, it's a lot more fun when we win. The truth is that we all like winning. Halfway through that bad season, I was just going through the motions of playing the game. I was there, but I wasn't. Not all of me. In today's world, we call that quiet quitting. We show up, we go through the motions, but only do the bare minimum, and then we go home. 
Some people go their entire lives living this way. Why? It's because they want to win, and many people just don't know what winning feels like. Sometimes quiet quitting is a decision to do just the bare minimum, but it is often a position we take by default. We feel like we have lost so many times that we can't bear another loss unless we simply take the attitude that we don't care. That's quiet quitting. 1 Corinthians 15, 54-57 says, When this corruptible is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Now the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God gives us victory over death, over sin. And notice that it says that he gives us the victory. He didn't give give it to us. It's a continuous action on God's part to give us victory every day. When I was playing baseball on that team, it wasn't fun because it didn't feel good to lose. When you struggle every day to go for a run or a walk because it's hard, it can feel like losing. When you have an injury that takes you out of running or walking for a month, it is surely not winning. If you'd like to run faster and you complete workout after workout, but it doesn't seem to help, it doesn't feel like winning. For many of us, when we're on one of those, in one of those circumstances, it's easy to quiet quit. Maybe we run, but just do it to check it off the to-do list. When someone quiet quits on their job, they do it just because they need that job to pay bills. When we quiet quit on our exercise, we do it because we know it will make us healthier. But it is no fun to do a job we don't like. It is no fun to run or walk when it feels like a to-do list checkoff item. It is way more fun when we feel like we're winning. So, how do we win? Well, I think we do it by realizing this. Our everyday lives should be lived in victory. The Bible is very clear about that, as we just read in 1 Corinthians. God is continually giving us victory, so we should live our lives as victors. But is life easy? Of course, it isn't. Sometimes we step to the plate and get hit by the pitch. Or it hurts, and it hurts when that happens. Sometimes we strike out. The, uh, the turn back to the dugout doesn't feel like a winning moment. Sometimes we make errors in the field, and that's an awful feeling, especially when you know there's a crowd out there who just watched you fail. But there are errors and strikeouts on both the winning and losing teams of any baseball game. The truth is that those moments of failure all but disappear when the game is over and you've won but they stick around and bring you down when you lose. But here's the important thing. We win the game. It has already been decided. God gave us the victory on the cross and he gives us victory every day, even on the bad days. We win the most important game. All of the other things in our lives are just plays in the game. Some are good, some are not. But in the end, we win. The final verse of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians says, Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This verse tells us that it is never okay to quiet quit. He tells us to be steadfast and immovable. He tells us that we need to always excel in the Lord's work. And the truth is that it is all the Lord's work. The Bible tells us to 
do everything to bring glory to God. Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Because in the end, that labor is not in vain. We already know that we win. Play the game as if you're on the longest undefeated streak in history in the history of the world. Because you are. That's a great story, Dean. But you know what? I've never heard that phrase. Quiet quit. Have you not? No. Wow. Where have you been hearing it lately? I, I haven't heard. I've never heard that phrase. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's just one of those things with, uh, they talked about it with the, with the Twitter thing. A lot of the Twitter employees were, were talking about, oh. they were going to quiet quit. They were going to go to work. They were going to do their job, but they were going to do the bare minimum and they weren't going to go out of their way. Yeah, so that I think that that was one of the places that I heard it recently. Yeah, I've never heard that phrase, but I get it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. People they they don't quit. Yeah, but they quit mentally. Yeah, and they just they quit, check they out. Quit trying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And we do that in running a lot. There's a lot sure. of times in running we just we want to we want to run because we know it's good for us, but it's just oh, I got to get through this run. Yeah, and that's just not the way to look at it, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we've probably all done that at some point with something, whether it's running or, or something else. Um, and, you know, I was I, I was at a large employer at one time mm-hmm. and, and we had something happened one day. I got I got really passionate. I said something I probably shouldn't have said. It was a very pointed thing to say. It wasn't it wasn't ugly. It wasn't meant to be mean or, or demeaning or anything like that. It just didn't come out well. And of course, I got called down for it. And my response to it was, I guess I need to be less passionate about what I'm doing Hmm. here in my job. Um, That was quiet quitting. Mm -hmm. That's what that was. And I look back on it now and I think, I'm just embarrassed to even talk about it because it's just a ridiculous thing to have said at the time. But the time, God was teaching me some things. Sure. And... um, We've probably all been in a, in a spot or two at some point where we go, I'm just, I'm so done. Uh, I'm going to get through the end of whatever this thing is that I'm in the middle of because I'm, I'm not a quitter, but I'm just going to do what I can do just to get to the end. And in reality, at that point, you pretty much quit, mm-hmm. right? So, hmm. yeah, that's what quiet quitting is. Um, and, you know, I see athletes all the time that just go through the motions. Um, and, and here's another thought about quiet quitting that I was thinking about. You know, you think about the, the, the phrase, be still and know that I am God. The verse, mm-hmm. be still and know that I am God, um, tells us to slow down. That sounds like quitting, mm-hmm. but that's not quitting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, an important thing to to realize that um, that quitting doesn't look... I guess, back to what we were talking about with Roscoe's story, don't judge people. Yeah that look like they're in that that spot. Um, yeah, cuz it may not be what they're doing. Do, doing away with things, doing away with things. I mean to to your point, be quiet, be still and know that I'm God. You know, we talk about it all the time on here clearing your schedule. Sometimes you you need to quit some things. Cuz yeah. cuz we do when you got so many things on your schedule, we fall into that trap of just checking things off our schedule. We're so busy. We're trying to get so much done. We're just, and we're not effective in anything. And sometimes we need to let go of some things so that we can be more effective in the areas of our life that God's called us to be effective at. And that helps you to not quite quit. Sure. Right. And I was thinking about it from a, think about it this way. If the wind of passion 
or whatever it is that drives you is not blowing into your sales, you have to get out the oars. You 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 gotta you gotta keep going um, because we can't stop moving in the right direction just because we don't like something the way it turned out or whether what direction something's going or whatever. We gotta keep going, and if that means getting out the oars because the wind stopped, then then do what you gotta do because, mm-hmm. as I said in the story, in the end, we win this this whole thing. Yeah, we 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 are the victors. Yeah, and we should be acting like it. That's a good point, Dean. Good job. At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run For God station at J Radio. Every week I share a reason a reason why running is so awesome. And this week, this is it. Running is as a key lifestyle. Um, why, what am I got here? Running is a key is lifestyle Is a key medicine. lifestyle medicine for longevity. Yeah. Mm. Running actually helps us live longer. And so I saw this. This was a peer-reviewed study done in 2017, and this is the summary of that study, which I thought I would read. Running is a popular and convenient leisure time physical activity with a significant impact on longevity. In general, runners have a 25 to 40% reduced risk of premature mortality and live approximately three years longer than non-runners. Recent scientific questions have emerged regarding the extent of health benefits of running versus other types of physical exercise, and perhaps more critically, whether there are diminishing returns on health and mortality outcomes with higher amounts of running. This review details the findings uh, surrounding the impact of running on various health outcomes and premature mortality, highlights the implausible underlying mechanisms linking running with chronic disease prevention and longevity, identifies the estimated additional life expectancy among runners and other active individuals, and discusses whether there is adequate evidence to suggest that longevity benefits are attenuated with higher doses of running. (laughs) You know, I I, I agree 100% with what this says, but I I think it's like so many of the... um, you know, people on a plant-based diet live longer. I'm paraphrasing. People on a, long, uh, a plant-based diet live longer than those who aren't. That, that's probably absolutely true, but it's it's not always because of the thing. It's because mm-hmm. that person is more um, is paying more attention sure. to what they're in. In the case of the diet they're eating, if you're a runner you're naturally going to pay attention to other areas of your life because they affect your running. That's right. You don't want to go eat uh, a 2,000-calorie barbecue dinner and go run in two hours. It doesn't go together. And and so I think, yes, running makes you healthier and probably makes you live longer, but a lot of the reasons are due to the lifestyle of it, not – to the act of it necessarily do you agree with that i do agree with that and it goes back to what we've talked about before about the whole 5k challenge is when you when you can slay that giant 
Yeah, you in can that area so of your life, it things. bleeds over in other areas yeah. of your life. Totally agree. Yeah, the the idea, uh, and I'll bet you, if anybody ever did a study like that, we we were talking about some studies before we right. started this podcast, where it, it's hard to even believe studies these days. Yeah, because there's so we need to conduct a study. There's a study about you know we need to do a study about studies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But that you know, it, because there's the there, you can find a study on both sides of everything. Well, and we but, even say it in the beginning of the five k challenge in the first few weeks. I know I say it in my classes. Now is not the time for a crash diet. Don't do that. Don't yeah. don't try to go all in. You know, because yeah. some people will, they'll start eating leaves <laughs> instead of a meal, and and they're just going to crash. Your diet, not always. But your diet will tend to get better the more you run because you you start to understand more vividly. You can eat a 2,000-calorie barbecue dinner, and if you're going to jump on the couch, you don't really notice how harmful that is. But when you try to go run after – you know, you, you and I used to do uh, – we used to go to lunch every now and then at a Mexican restaurant. Yeah, and then I used to belly ache every time we went because sure. later that afternoon I would try to go run and it would be like, Dean, why do we keep doing this?" Yeah. And eventually we stopped doing that. Yeah, is it because I don't like Mexican food? No, but I understood the correlation between a horrible run that afternoon and what I ate for lunch, and you start to see those things in a different light when you're a runner, and that sure. naturally tends to start making you healthier. Totally agree. Yep, yep. That's a really good point. Uh, all right. Well, we talk a lot about running in poor weather. And this week it was cold and rainy. I had a couple of runs this week that were um, cold and rainy. And um, it's amazing. We bellyache about about that sometimes. And it, it is hard to get out there and run. Mm-hmm. But I, this week I, I had one particular day where it was the coldest and rainiest day of the week. And I was out running, and I, I stopped in the middle of the run because I saw somebody doing something. I needed to talk to that that guy, so I stopped probably for about fifteen minutes and talked with him, and then I went back to running. And I realized how comfortable I was <laughs> before I stopped to talk to him because I went when I went back went back to running. All of a sudden, it was really cold again, and I had to reorient myself all over again. Um, and. and it made me think about uh, because at that point in time, it, a lot of times it depends on what you're wearing, right? And I thought, from a practical standpoint, let's talk about what we wear in weather and why it's important. Because here's what a lot of people do, and here's why a lot of people hate running in the cold weather, is they wear too much mm-hmm. because they want to be comfortable when they start, mm-hmm. and so they go out and they wear a bunch of clothes and. They sweat so much because they get too warm, and then that dampness and wetness that they have makes it way worse. And so one of the things we've talked about before is you need to dress for 20 degrees warmer than it actually is. Mm -hmm. So if you're going out and it's 40 degrees out, then you should dress as if it's 60 degrees out, and that first 10 or 15 minutes are going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be cold. But you're going to feel way better after that, and in the long run, it'll do you much more, much more good, right? When you say absolutely, that yeah, that's sense. the biggest. I think people do that all the time. They wear too many clothes. You know what I did this past weekend? I haven't done in so many years, uh, and the boys do it all the time. But I was, I was sitting in there on the couch. 
the the race on Friday night, the Silver Bell Sprint, where I mean, I just I really I was proud of myself for how fast I ran. I mean, my time didn't reflect it, but the next day I realized I was proud of myself because of how sore I was. Yeah, I mean, my hamstrings, at, and it was because you know I was trying to pass a couple people coming up that last hill and it was that last hill is where i was feeling those hamstrings yeah anyway um lane come into the living room and he had his bogging on his hoodie on and shorts on and i knew what that means he was headed this time of year from now all the way through the winter they don't do ice baths in the tub our neighbor's swimming pool yeah has dropped down to 50 degrees and below and so they just go stand in the neighbor's swimming pool to do their ice bath well he come down with his hoodie on. i said whoa 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 hold on I'm going with you. Dean, I don't know if it's because I'm older or what, but I step, I mean, Lane stepped down there and he was like, just still talking as he was walking down. It took every bit of breath in my lungs out of me when I stepped down in there. And for two minutes solid, I was, I was cringing myself on the side of the pool with my legs hanging down in the water. It hurt so bad. And Lane was laughing at me and he even made it worse. He went down to his neck and the water, the water was like 51 degrees. Yeah. And he went down to his neck and I was just saying, you're a moron. I don't know. Why are you, you're just showing off, whatever, but it hurts. So have, when's the last time you took an ice bath? Uh, it's been probably last year. Really? Yeah. It's been a while. Oh, but, but I but remember how the reason I liked it so much when you get out, you're like, you feel like he man. Yeah. Like I'm king of the world. I just did that. Yeah. And so I'll be doing it. I'll be doing it throughout oh, this winter. Well, good. It's nice to have that. Uh, that's so close by. But it gets down. I mean, the Stampers pool, it'll get down to 33, 34, like in January. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand that. Yeah. And they do. Lane will just walk right down in it and keep talking. I need to take but, advantage of that myself. If I had something that simple, I would take more ice baths for sure. I, well, you have a pool though. I do, but we close. We, we close oh, you it close up. it. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Theirs stays we, open. We it's salt water. Yeah, and uh, and ours is too. We could run ours, but I, the 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 cost of running that pump is just yeah too, too much for me. Yeah, so I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> so yeah, another thing to think about too when you're running in the cold is what kind of hat you wear. Yeah. You know, I know um, some people. I like to wear. We I call it a toboggan. You can call it a beanie or you know whatever else you want to call it. Um, I like to wear one of those once it gets down to probably 40 or below mm-hmm. the fact I don't have any hair makes a different makes mm-hmm. a difference too <laughs> but um, but that helps but you know one of the good things about wearing one of those is you can take it off and stick it in your waistband sure. as you continue to run and you'll notice if you're getting too warm you'll notice a really nice cooling effect as yeah. soon as you do that um, so that's a that's a really good way to adjust as you go um, gloves yes. are the same same way yeah, I was gonna say as far as staying warm, if you can keep your head, fingers, and toes yep. warm, your body will follow. That's right. That's right. Yeah. A lot of times I wear a a, a windbreaker. Maybe it could be thirty degrees out, but all I've got on is a windbreaker and a t-shirt. Right. Because that windbreaker keeps the wind off of you, which is what tends to make you really cold. Sure. Is the wind, um, and then I stay fairly dry underneath because I don't sweat as bad because I don't have you know a sweatshirt yeah. on underneath that windbreaker. So. Yeah, and one of the things too that people talk about, and this I, I thought about this, and this is what brought this whole thing up, is I saw something about people running in the snow, because some people once it snows, there's any snow on the ground, they don't run at all because they feel like they can't run. You can still run in the snow. Now you gotta be careful running in the snow, 
Uh, but running in the snow is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get a chance to do it very much here. Uh, when it does snow here, I can't We're wait all to over go it. Yeah. run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you live in it all the time, it's, yeah. a, it's a little bit different. And there, there are some shoes out there. Well, there are attachments to your shoes. They're called yak tracks. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen those? Mm-hmm. Um, they fit on your shoes and they help. If you live in a place where you get a lot of snow and so you're, you're running in, in, yeah, it's, those are really good. They'll yeah. keep you upright and keep, give you some good traction and, and let you run in. You know, the past snow. two runs I've done, I've done on the treadmill. Have you really? You know why? Oh, wow. Why? This is going to seem ridiculous. I got new shoes in the past two runs. <laughs> it's been raining outside and I'm like, I don't want to get my shoes nasty. So the past two runs I've done on the treadmill. So, and you know how I hate running on the treadmill nowadays. But, yeah, it's because I had new shoes. I didn't want to get them dirty. <laughs> well, I have to admit, I got new shoes, too. And I was thinking the same thing. So, you know what I did instead? You got your old shoes. I wore my old shoes. Yeah, I thought yeah. about that, too. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, you got some options out there. Don't quit running just because the weather isn't perfect. Because right. you know what you call that? Quiet quitting. That's what you call it. When you don't run because the conditions aren't just You right. said that much nicer than I would have said it. That's quiet quitting. <laughs> Uh, how about a trivia question for this week? Um, I don't know if we've ever used this one before, but if we haven't, we should have. Uh, but I don't remember it. So, two German brothers set up two athletic shoe companies in the 1940s that are still in business today, and both are very active in the running world. Who are the brothers, and what are the two shoe companies? You know this one. I know the companies. I don't know the I don't know the names, but I know the companies. Yeah. Well, if you know one of the companies, you pretty much say the name. So uh, uh, yeah. okay. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, at least one of them. Yeah. So anyway, if you know the answer to that, send that to Dean at RunForGod.com and uh, be the first one to send that to me, and you'll win twenty dollars worth of merchandise from the Run for God store, which is awesome. There's lots of stuff in there, cool stuff. So. Uh, you can get yourself a late Christmas present. Sure. Right? So uh, take advantage of that. Last but not least, we have a motivational thought of the week. And this is the motivational thought. Running is nothing more than a series of arguments between the part of your brain that wants to stop and the part that wants to keep going. <laughs> that is a heated argument sometimes in my head. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. And the question is, which one's going to win? And sometimes I think if, if we're all being honest, sometimes uh, sometimes one wins and sometimes the other one wins. Some of us are better on one side or the other, but we all have we all lose one side or the other on occasion, right? And it's it's so amazing how the simplest things can change that argument. It's the true. simplest thing. I'll be honest. That race Friday night, yeah, I I was I was hurting really really bad at the two mile mark, and until somebody. I'll say his name. He's a run for God guy. Gary Munn yeah. come up behind me, beside me. And Gary's probably 15, 20 years older than me. Yeah. And that other side of my brain went quiet when Gary come up beside me and passed me. Yeah. And and I latched on to Gary, and that's all I was thinking about was Gary the whole time. Gary pulled me to a much faster race than I other would have otherwise would have had had he not come up beside me. So thank you, Gary. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but yeah. But yeah, that's a That'll change That's a argument. heated argument in my brain a lot of times. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you had a great Christmas and you're headed for a spectacular 2023. And uh, we will see you again um, on the other side of 2023 too, won't we? Yep. Uh, so until next week, may God bless every step of every run. 
Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.